Good morning. Good morning, everybody. Welcome. Welcome, everybody worshiping with us online this morning. It's a pleasure to welcome you from Germantown Presbyterian Church. Welcome to the service of worship, one and all. We're so delighted that everybody can join us through our technology and can worship with us and be part of this service that's coming to you from Germantown Presbyterian Church. We welcome everybody who is worshiping from wherever you may be this morning, perhaps Germantown, perhaps Collierville, Memphis, or even further beyond that. And so it's a delight to welcome you on this second Sunday of January to Germantown Presbyterian Church. Please do, in preparation for worship, go to the church website where you can download the church bulletin for today's service. You can see all the elements of worship. You can follow along with us, and you can join in everything we're doing here in the sanctuary. You can do it home, and we will be united by the Holy Spirit even if we are in different locations. So please do download the church bulletin and follow along. Also, you'll see on our website that we have a online friendship pad. If you worship with us uh, normally in person here, you know, of course, pre-COVID, that we would pass a friendship pad up and down each pew, and you could sign that, a member or a visitor, and you could sign that, and you could know who's worshiping with you, if there's a visitor around you or someone else near you, and we always encourage people to sign the friendship pad when we're here in person, and so we want to encourage everybody now, members and visitors alike, to go online and to sign the online friendship pad, and you can see that on the church website. You can see it. It's a, it's a box right there. We just want to invite members, of course, uh, to sign that and visitors as well, especially if you're a visitor and you've been watching our services, you're curious about Germantown Presbyterian Church, you want to know uh, more about this family of faith, then please do sign that and put your personal information down there, and uh, one of us will call you, be in touch with you. We'd love to know who you are and what brings you to GPC, especially uh, virtually during this time. So please do go sign the online friendship pad, uh, members and visitors alike. Come back this evening, virtually, for our evening worship service. That's at 6 o'clock, uh, coming from our sanctuary. It's our different, uh, it's our contemporary worship service. We'll have our musicians, uh, most of them back now, after, uh, after virus and after vacation. And so we'll be back almost full strength this evening. And please do come back and uh, um, worship with us this evening at 6 p.m. for our evening worship service. And just a reminder to everybody that um, uh, this Sunday, of course, and next Sunday for sure, we will have a, an online congregation only. We will not have an in-person worship. We'll have our online congregation only. We're following the health advice, the directives of our local health department, our own uh, medical experts within our congregation, and uh, also the, the governor's office, as well as a host of other um, different uh, health experts. We're trying to do the best thing we know how to do um, to respond to the pandemic and to keep uh, our church uh, members safe, to keep ourselves safe, but to keep our community at large safe as well. So online only today and next week, and then the, uh, um, we'll have people um, huddling and, and just seeking wisdom about what to do for the Sundays after that. So stay abreast of our church emails of our church website. Um, we'll get the information out to everybody as much as possible about uh, when we will resume in-person worship, but it won't be, uh, certainly won't be next week. It may be after that. 
Also, um, we do know, and, and I know people are watching about a vaccination and when to sign up and how to sign up, and um, we, we know that uh, church members are eager to have that vaccination, and they're rolling that out, and while all of January, it looks like from the health department's website and their signups, all of January is full, I do want to um, make a, an offer for people that um, if, you, if for some reason signing up online is a challenge and getting through the websites, getting through that kind of maze, I want to offer us as a church, as a resource for people who can just call the church office. And if you need any help signing up for those vaccinations because um, the, the technology might be not accessible for you, then I, I'll help. Susie, I know, would help um, other staff members. We would be so happy to help any church members, right now it's those who are 75 and older who are uh, living at home who don't have it through their own health uh, community, through their own living community. But we want to be a resource and a help for that. So we'll be on the lookout for when we can sign up for that. And we want to help in any way possible for those who may need that. Um, what a pleasure it was. What a pleasure it is to uh, welcome two new staff members to the Germantown uh, Presbyterian Church family, our church staff, and we mentioned these last week, but we want to introduce them to you now. And so I'll invite Christopher Greco first to uh, come and join me up here in the front and just uh, welcome Christopher Greco as our new director of youth ministries. Christopher, it's great to have you here at GPC, and we know that uh, in the middle of a pandemic is a very difficult time to dump, jump in the deep end and to get to know all of our youth, but we're so excited. Christopher is from Peachtree City, Georgia, and so even as a native Georgian, he went to the University of Kentucky, so he is a University of Kentucky Wildcat, and a recent graduate of UK. He's got lots of uh, time spent in the Mid-South area. He worked at Pinecrest for two summers, um, and was uh, two summers, right? One summer. I, had, I was giving you more credit for, uh, anyway, worked at Pinecrest, um, knows people here in the Memphis area, has got lots of good relationships around here, and uh, has just um, come on board last Monday. And so it's a pleasure, Christopher, to welcome you to GPC. And I know that there are events that have been set up for you to meet different youth, youth in small groups. And so I think this afternoon it's 10, 11, and 12th graders, uh, 4.30 here at the church. And so I think there's a hot chocolate bar or something fun like that. And uh, I know there's a rollout for um, 8th and ninth graders next week and then 6th and 7th graders the week after that. And so um, we're delighted for you to be here. Welcome, and we look forward to getting to know you and, and you to know all of us here at GPC in the months and years to come. Thank you. And then I'll also now ask Jackie Klassen to stand and join me here in the front to welcome Jackie serving two different church positions. One is the Director of Special Needs Ministry, and the other is as our children's, uh, children's ministry assistant. And so you're filling two roles there into one. And uh, what a pleasure it is to welcome Jackie to GPC to continue uh, moving from strength to strength in our special needs ministry and what's been set up. And now we're so excited to see what you will do to move us forward in our ministry to special needs, uh, persons with special needs and their families, not only in our own church, but we know that this is a ministry that's inviting so many people from around the whole county, the whole community into GPC. So welcome to that role. Welcome to the children's uh, ministry assistance role. 
Um, you'll be glad to know, many of you, that uh, Jackie is from right here in Germantown, Tennessee. She's a graduate of Germantown High School and then went to the University of Memphis and has an uh, undergraduate degree and a graduate degree, a master's, from the University of Memphis. And so she is a red devil and a tiger through and through. There are a few of those around here. We've got a few Germantown uh, High School graduates as well as uh, University of Memphis folks. And so um, they'll be glad to embrace you and, and all of us will. Jackie has lived in the Bay Area of California for the last 20 years or so and uh, 17 years and has taught um, in special needs classrooms and been a, an educator and an administrator. And so we are so blessed to have Jackie move back home and to come back and to join the GPC family. And so Jackie, welcome. And Christopher, welcome. We're so excited that both of you are here and we can't wait for your ministries to unfold here at Germantown Presbyterian Church. Thank you. Please do reach out to them and get to know them. And as we again uh, uh, resume more in-person and more public gatherings, you will be blessed to know both of these individuals and our church will be blessed through them and their ministry. Friends, those are all of our announcements this morning. Now I invite you to prepare your hearts and minds to worship God. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Please join me in our call to worship. Ascribe to the Lord, O heavenly beings. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory of his name. Worship the Lord in holy splendor. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. The Lord breaks the cedars of Lebanon. The Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord sits enthroned as king forever. The Lord directs and blesses people with peace. God is merciful and just. God is full of grace and truth. Let us tell the truth about ourselves. As we confess our need for God's grace, let us pray. Lord, we confess that we fall short of your expectations of us. We are sinful people, and we confess our guilt. No one else is responsible for our sin. No one else is to blame for what we have done. We freely choose to sin against you and others. We freely choose to disobey you and denigrate others. We freely choose what is wrong, unjust, and immoral. All we can do is ask for your mercy, and all we can do is rely on your grace. Forgive us, we pray, so that we can be healed of our sin and help us to choose what is good. 
we pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. God's goodness knows no bounds. God's mercy is rich and deep. In the name of Jesus Christ and by his obedience, I declare to you that we are forgiven in his name. Amen. grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you and also with you. Please remember everyone in our church family. Pray for them and extend your love to them on this day. Please call your friends in Christ and check on them and their well-being. Let us turn to God in prayer. Holy and loving God, by the power of your Holy Spirit, you have gathered us together to worship and glorify your holy name. Now, as we prepare ourselves to hear your word, both read and proclaimed to us, still all other voices but your own, so that as we hear your word, we might truly become more than just hearers, but doers of your holy word, that we might be able to take your word out into all the wor world. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Our first reading this morning is from the book of Genesis, verses one, chapter 1, verses 1 through 5, and then verses 26 through 28. Let us now listen to God's word to us. In the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was a formless void and darkness covered the face of the deep, while a wind from God swept over the face of the waters. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness God called night, and there was evening, and there was morning the first day. And then picking up at verse 26. Then God said, Let us make humankind in our own image, according to our likeness, and let them be stewards of the fish in the sea, the birds of the air, the cattle, the wild animals of the earth, and over everything that crawls on the ground. Humankind was created as God's reflection. In the divine image, God created them, female and male, God made them. God blessed them and said, be fruitful and increase your numbers. Fill the earth and be responsible for it. Watch over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, 
and all living things on the earth. As we turn to our New Testament passage, I invite you, if you have uh, the bulletin or if you have downloaded the bulletin, to look at the front cover while I read. Instead of reading it yourself, look at the front cover. I know you know this, that we have this great ecclesiastical arts team that Alex uh, is very involved in, and uh, Steve Nelson and Susie and two or three others, and they each week try to provide for us um, some visual representation of the teaching or the scripture lesson. And I'm just struck by the beauty of this morning's um, piece that's on our bulletin cover. It's just, uh, for me, I love the colors in it and the image, of course, of the, the baptized Christ and the Spirit, but then his arms, of course, in the shape of a cross, that what happens at his baptism um, is the beginning of his ministry that will lead to the cross. And it's just a, a, a fantastic Peace, and so thank you to everybody who was involved in uh, choosing that this week and every week. Our New Testament lesson is Mark's account of the gospel, uh, Mark's account of the baptism of Jesus, his gospel account of that. It starts in Mark 1, verses 4 through 11. Mark 1. John the baptizer appeared in the wilderness proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And the people from the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem were going out to him and were baptized by him in the water, in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. He proclaimed, the one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to stoop down and untie the thong of his sandals. I have baptized you with water. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as he was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the Spirit descending like a dove on him. And a voice came from heaven saying, You are my Son, the Beloved, and with you I am well pleased. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. So what is your favorite genre of book to read or movie to watch or television show? Is it a romantic comedy? Ugh. Oh, sorry, did I do that out loud? Um, maybe it's an adventure. Maybe it's westerns. Maybe it's murder mysteries. If you're like me, then you maybe like some mixture of all of those, with the exception of one, maybe. Um, you, maybe you like all of those. Maybe your family is young, and so that dictates, it always dictates, your choice of entertainment. A cold, rainy Saturday, maybe spent watching the Barbie movie marathon and all the Barbie movies in one day. Does that sound like fun? <laughs> I was privileged to watch the movie Nomeo and Juliet, the animated movie, three different times in the movie theater. I think it was the only three movies I saw in a theater all year that year. I'm especially interested, especially interested, I hope you are, to see the new Pixar animated movie come out, coming out called Soul that I've seen lots of different advertisements for recently. If you think that our culture isn't asking questions about 
eternity and faith and God and meaning and purpose, then, then it, it is. It is all the time doing that. Just look at the books and the movies that are being produced all around us. People are asking these questions about God all the time. And, of course, we believe our world wants answers. People are craving answers that our world needs good theology and sound beliefs about God now, now as much as ever. Our world is asking these questions about faith and value and and purpose and meaning and God all the time. So what's different now, and we know this, what's different now than in past generations is that fewer and fewer people actually know what a church is, and they, 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 the church is not the first place they look to for um, answers about questions of faith and value and purpose. They go to Hollywood, or they go to Pixar. And my sister works for Pixar, by the way. I'm not opposed to anything about Hollywood and these movies and these entertainment. They help unlock these questions for people that we as a church, by the way, can then stand in, and we can come in and help answer those questions with real answers about God. Our, our culture is asking these questions all the time, which is why GPC needs to engage with each other and engage with our culture now, now in 2021, even during a pandemic, now more than ever. Engage 2021 is our church's theme for this year, and it's actually more than a theme. It is a guiding principle for us. It's helping our staff plan what we do. I hope it's helping our different church leaders. Our session has adopted this. Our diaconate has adopted Engage 2021 as a guiding principle for us for this year. It is. It's something we hope will settle down into the whole body of Christ that is GPC, into our different committees, our different groups. As the pandemic subsides, and we do believe, we know there's a light at the end of the tunnel, we hope coming this year, as the pandemic subsides, as we begin to emerge from our, our separation and our isolation, as we're able to gather again for, for public worship and for Sunday school and for, for fellowship events, as we begin to come back into to life as we knew it before, we want to engage one another like we never have before. We want to engage our mission partners, for example, again, in a post-pandemic world. We want to start in, in-person volunteering again. We've had to stop. Stop showing up at places like MAM and BCA and the soup kitchen and room in the inn. To stop serving our neighbors is like pouring cold water on a fire that would normally give us light and warmth. We feel cold. I do. <laughs> I feel cold and blind when we can't tutor kids. We can't help kids learn to read. We can't meet with our special needs community in person. We can't offer love to our homeless neighbors with a hot meal and a bed. There's one great theologian who said that the church exists for mission like a fire exists for burning. You can't have a fire without flames, and you cannot have a church if you're not serving your community. So we want to engage. We want to get out of this and engage again with our community in some some brand new ways in 2021. We want to engage again in Sunday school and Bible studies like we haven't before with new people and and new participants and not through a two-inch screen that's a small screen on a larger screen. I am so grateful. I'm so grateful for 
the technology and for the groups that have adapted amazingly well during the pandemic. There's some groups and classes that found a way to kind of push through limitations and to keep meeting virtually week after week. It's amazing to see them at work. It's been beautiful to see them. But every single participant says, I can't wait to see you again. And they can see each other already, but they don't mean just seeing each other. They mean embracing and giving a handshake or a hug and being together as we are meant to be together. Can't wait to see you again. So there's some curriculum that some of our groups will use this engaged curriculum that, that I'll teach one on discipleship. Susie's going to lead one on mission. Mike Lyle, our coming associate pastor, is going to lead one on how to share your faith in a relational, comfortable way. Our staff, some of our key committees, we're just in this infancy stage right now of, of dreaming about some great celebration that we can do together as a church to, to welcome each other back. I've talked about this before. I talked about this last March and April and May. I thought this great celebration was going to take place last fall. Now it looks like it'll take place this coming fall, but it's going to be so good, and it's going to be fun for all ages to engage. To engage means to to bind yourself with a promise to somebody else, and that is, in a nutshell, what we do in our faith. We bind ourselves through a promise to follow God, to love God, and we bind ourselves to those in our church. We bind ourselves to other people. I can't wait. I, I am actually so eager for this year and for this theme of Engage and how it's going to play out in our congregation, finding all kinds of ways to engage with God and with you and with all of us. If you want to see more, you can go to this month's newsletter, and you can see more about Engage 2021 in it, and you'll certainly hear all of us uh, talk a lot about it. Why? Because. Because our world is asking these questions about meaning and purpose and faith now more than ever, sometimes without even knowing it. You see it primarily in art and writings and TV shows, and movies, and books, which brings me back to that original question just a few minutes ago, and what is your favorite genre? What's your favorite style of writing or entertainment of books or movies? I'm about two-thirds of the way through the, my latest Ian Rankin, Inspector Rebus murder mystery novel. Rankin's written about 26 of these murder mysteries, and I've read, I don't know, maybe half of them. They're set in Edinburgh, and it's always fun for me to see the street names that I used to walk down and the buildings that we used to go past. I've even, I even got to visit the uh, police headquarters station in Edinburgh, out of which a lot of Ian Rankin's detectives work. Our church over there in Scotland those many years ago had the British equivalent of the Boy Scouts, uh, the Boys Brigade, And so one time the boys' brigade from our church went to the police headquarters in Edinburgh and they invited me to tag along. And uh, it was so insightful. It was so um, uh, eye-opening to see how they worked uh, back then in that police headquarters. In hindsight, introducing a couple of those young guys to law enforcement at that point was probably a good idea, knowing that they would later do it themselves in another way. But that's another story all on its own. 
The main character, of course, of Ian Rankin's murder mysteries is Detective Inspector John Rebus, who is this sort of crusty, old-school detective who eats terribly and smokes too much and drinks too much, like most Scottish people in general. He never can get his life and his relationships together like most all of us people in general. But in the end, despite all of his problems, he always catches the bad guy. In the end, some revelation solves the mystery, and justice wins in the end. It probably won't surprise you to know that mysteries, mysteries, and the subcategories of mystery, but mystery is the best-selling category of fiction. And then go on Amazon Prime or Netflix homepage and, and just start looking at the shows that are on offer there, and almost, you know, so many of them, more than others, will fit into that category of mystery drama or crime mystery. According to the Guinness Book of World Records, which I discovered is actually now a website and not a book anymore, but according to the Guinness Records, Agatha Christie is the most prolific mystery writer of all time. She wrote 66 detective novels that have sold more than 2 billion copies. And again, according to Guinness... She is the most translated author of all time. In 2013, voted by the Crime Writers Association as the best crime novel writer ever. Agatha Christie was also a devout Christian, and she believed that every individual, each one of you, is your inside yourself, your own mystery. Every individual is a mystery within himself or herself. She said, very few of us are what we seem. Have you ever thought of your own life like that, as a mystery to be solved? She also said, the impossible could not have happened. Therefore, the impossible must be possible, actually, in spite of appearances. If you like mysteries then you should love reading the Bible because the Bible is all about revealing a mystery, about revealing who God is, taking what would otherwise be a mystery for us and slowly, over time, slowly but surely, revealing a wonderful, beautiful, holy and loving God. In the end, in the end, I'll go ahead and tell you, in the end, justice wins. And so does love and holiness and goodness. The New Testament is all about how the impossible becomes possible and becomes real. And there is no way, said the religions of Jesus' day, there's no way that God could or would become a human being. But the impossible happened. Most other systems of belief are all about what you have to do or have to be in order to be saved. But Christianity is all about how you can't do or be anything to save yourself. You can't, and so God does the impossible. God takes on our flesh and blood. God saves us from the inside out. Now, I didn't know this until this week, starting to get ready for this sermon and this sermon series. I didn't know, but the word mystery appears 27 times in the New Testament, more than I would have thought. There are two Greek words in the New Testament for mystery. One of them, kryptos, is from what we get our word cryptic, and it's actually not part of that 27. 
The other word that appears 27 times is muasterion, from which we get our word mystery and mysterious. In 1 Corinthians 2, for example, Paul writes, We declare that God's wisdom is a mystery that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. Colossians says, The mystery that has been kept hidden for generations is now disclosed to the Lord's people. It says something mysterious about what God is revealing, about what God is doing in Jesus Christ, and that's all portrayed in the New Testament. This mysterious God is now revealed. So doing a little play on words on that for the next several weeks from now until mid-February, the beginning of Lent, our sermon series will be entitled, Jesus, Man of Mystery. That something that is hidden to ordinary eyes is now being revealed in Jesus. What God is doing, what God has been working on since the foundation of the world to provide humanity with redemption and forgiveness and to, to reconcile humanity to God. God has been doing this, and it's been a mystery, but now it is revealed in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, man of mystery, our sermon series for the next several weeks will give us a chance to, to talk about what God is revealing and how God in Jesus Christ is, is using his identity as Jesus slowly unfolds it himself, as he reveals a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more to the people around him, what he is doing to bring people back to God, what he has done to bring you and me back to God. So let's look at this morning scripture lesson very briefly, but to see what's happening here in the baptism of Jesus. This is the big reveal at the initiation, the beginning of Jesus' own ministry. As a writer, a great writer, Mark himself is setting the scene for everything else that will follow in Jesus' ministry. As he's coming up out of the water, as it's depicted so well on our bulletin cover, Jesus hears the voice of God. And Jesus is anointed. He is surrounded by the Holy Spirit. The God, the Holy Spirit, surrounds God the Son. God the Father says, You are my Son, the Beloved. With you I am well pleased. So I want to take a moment and look at each one of these words of that statement very briefly to describe to you what I think is going on here and what I think they mean. First, this declaration, this affirmation, you are my son. Now, it's so important to, to analyze this term and to think about and understand what this term son means in Scripture and in theology, and in especially maybe what it does not mean, because it does cause confusion. This is one of the unique scenes in Scripture where we see all three persons of the Trinity acting together in the same place. And Presbyterians have been adamant that the one and only God is known in three ways or three forms or three persons. Three persons, but only one God. And those traditional names for God that we find in Scripture are Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And this is great relational language. It's language of intimacy and relationship, and it's meant to describe the love between all three persons of God. 
Now, the confusing part for me for so long, and honestly, sometimes I still fall into this way of thinking, and it's very much along human lines, and it's thinking along the lines of human fathers and sons, which is not what Scripture is talking about. In the human relationship of father and son, there is this hierarchical relationship. And I know, I've seen it, it's the same for mothers and daughters and all parents and children. One generation is older than the other, more experienced than the younger generation. And especially when the younger generation is so young, they are completely powerless and dependent on parents when they are tiny. It's a relationship of non-equals. And in all of life, children are meant to honor and defer and respect and then later to take care of older generations. So we usually think of an older generation as giving birth to a younger generation and sometimes being superior to that and the older generation being greater than a younger generation. But this is not what Scripture is talking about with these limited terms when it comes to the Trinity and the terms of Father and Son. All the great thinkers of the church, all the great theologians, our confessions down through history have never taught any kind of hierarchical order within the Trinity. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are all equal from eternity. There was never a time or any time before time when the Father was greater than the Son or the Spirit. The Father is not greater than the Son. The Spirit is not inferior to the Son or the Father. None is more important or more powerful than the other. They are all equally God together. Distinct roles, distinct functions, but intimately all part of the same loving and holy God. Talk about a mystery. It is. But it's one of the beautiful mysteries of our faith. The next word in that formula of that declaration is beloved. And again, this is not like an older father, an older parent taking pride in a younger child. What's happening here? What's happening here is the son confirmed in God's love as he lives a limited human life. The Holy Spirit and the Father are reminding the Son of their relationship of love and surrounding Jesus in love in his human life. Now, why would he need to be reminded, reminded of this? Because he's human, and all humans need to be reminded of God's love all the time. This is so important for understanding the incarnation when the Son emptied himself, as Philippians 2 says. When he emptied himself to become a servant, the Son took on the limitations of human life, the limitations of humanity, and that includes his mind and his understanding of the world. For a brief 33-year period, the Son of God let go of the riches of heaven and all-knowing omniscience, and all-power omnipotence, and omnipresence. He let go of that. The Son said, I'm going to be limited to a human life from start to finish. Now think about this. Think about if Jesus was omniscient or omnipotent for his whole life. Did the infant Jesus pop out into the world on day one, knowing how to speak all languages that have ever existed? No. 
because he had an infant's brain. And he had to learn his own language from his parents as they talked to him like we all do. Did the infant Jesus know nuclear physics? No, because he had an infant's brain and mind. If he didn't know physics as an adult, did somehow Jesus know nuclear physics as an adult? No. Did that human brain and mind somehow change as he grew up so that he knew everything that ever existed in an omniscient way? Like nuclear physics, are all species of animals or the average flight speed velocity of the African swallow? No, because for a 33-year period, the sun lived a human life with our limitations. For some to somehow be superhuman even in his mind would mean that he's not human. And if he's not one of us, he can't save us, as a great early theologian said. So the Father and the Spirit surround him at his baptism to remind him of their love. Talk about a mystery. And lastly, Jesus is pleasing to God. Jesus is about to embark on his ministry, and these three amazing years of teaching and preaching and healing, and then, of course, obedience unto death. Jesus himself doesn't really know how all of this is going to unfold at this point, just like you and I have no idea how our lives are going to unfold. It is a mystery, but it's not a mystery that Jesus has lived a life honoring God, and not just now at his baptism, but for the 30 or so years that precede all of this. Jesus has lived the singularly unique, sinless life. He is like all of us in all ways but one. He embodies God's expectations for how we should live. He has loved his family. He has loved his siblings and his neighbors as he loves himself. He has worshiped God. He has resisted the greed and idolatry that comes on us so often. He has avoided sexual sin. He has not chosen to inflict pain on anyone around him. He has lived a pleasing and good life that God desires for all of us. And he's about to start his ministry and teach all of us how we too can receive God's love and live as God's beloved. He will reveal how each one of us can turn away from sin and, and truly love others as he does. It might seem impossible, but the impossible has become real in Jesus. And he wants to offer the impossible to all of us also. Jesus, this man of mystery, has so much to reveal to us about God and about ourselves. And I'm looking forward to the next several weeks as we journey together in relationship and as we engage Christ and each other and learn more about faith. Amen. Having heard the word read and proclaimed, please join now as we affirm what we believe using the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, 
born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. The grace and power of God overflows for us at all times and in all things. In that comfort, let us turn our hearts and minds to God, who hears our prayers. Loving God, you never leave us alone, nor fail to watch out for our well-being, restoring us, providing for us. Because you are faithful, we come to you now to make our petitions known to you. We pray for the church in the world and its leaders. May we continue to be living witnesses for you. We pray for the global community. Enable us to serve those in need and work for peace, justice, and equity. We pray for our nation. Bring your healing peace amidst our disunity, destruction, and loss. We pray for all those who are oppressed and abused. Help us be advocates for the powerless, that we might enact godly justice. We pray for those who are ill and suffering, especially from the rampage of this continued pandemic. Make us agents of your restoration and healing. We pray for all caregivers. Strengthen them in body and soul. We pray for your creation. Make us good stewards so that many generations will know the goodness of your planet. We remember those who have come to their eternal rest. Help us to comfort those who grieve their loss. We pray for those who are anxious for the future. May we be people of compassion and love. We pray for our neighbors, both those known and unknown to us. May they know your loving mercy. We pray for this congregation. Guide us to continue to proclaim the good news to all and empower the work of our ministry. We lift up to you the prayers we hold privately, for we know that you know all things. And now, with the confidence of the children of God, let us pray as you taught your disciples to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth 
as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. As we trust in God who provides for all our needs, let us joyfully share our abundance with others. In this time of online worship, we encourage you to go to the Giving tab on the GPC website or contact the Church Business Office to coordinate your giving in support of the vital ministries of Germantown Presbyterian. We also encourage you to consider the many ways you can give of your time and talents by participating in committees and mission activities that you'll find listed in the bulletin. Let us now commit our tithes and offerings.
Holy God, we rejoice in the gift of your Holy Spirit that ignites the desire in our hearts to seek you, that brings us together to live as your hands and feet in the world, that fills us with compassion and grace and love for one another. We dedicate ourselves and our offerings to your purposes in the world by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Friends, I'll end our worship service with a word that I meant to say at the beginning of our sermon and neglected to, but that is I know that there's so much uh, going on around, around us in our communal life together as a nation, especially in the light of what happened last uh, week in Washington, D.C. And so there may have been people um, um, tuning into our service this morning expressly expecting me or some uh, special word about this, uh, even a sermon about this, talking to ministerial colleagues around the country this week. Lots of them were planning to preach on this during this past week. So I chose instead to handle my own feelings and reflections about that in my Friday letter to the congregation. And so I invite you to, um, to, to look at that letter if you received it in your email. If you haven't received it in your email, then I can get that to you or our church office certainly can. If you want to sign up for that, please do so. I tried to put in perspective my own uh, thoughts about not only the, the terrible events that happened in Washington, but put them in larger perspective of the incredible violence that's happened in our country over the last eight months and put that in larger perspective of the coarsening of our political discourse over the last 20 years or so. So I invite you to tune in and, and to look at that letter. And then, of course, uh, if you did read that or will read that and want to talk about it, my phone is always on and my door is always open and you can uh, buy me lunch and I'll be glad to talk to you about that anytime 
that you want to, but seriously, um, I know that's in our hearts, in our minds, and in our prayers. And so we will finish this worship service now with a charge and a blessing, knowing that God does come to each one of us, calling each one of us into a relationship of love and holiness and justice and faith, calling each one of us into a life of discipleship. And so for you in your discipleship now, after we have finished, leave this sanctuary or leave your home and go into all the spheres of your life. Go out to love and serve the Lord and go out to love and serve your neighbor as yourself. And as you go, may the blessing of Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit descend upon you and dwell in your heart and in your mind forever. Amen.